Two girls talking. You know what that means. It's time to talk. What's going on in the world? How about your business? How about your life? Let's talk it out. Two girls talking. Hi, guys. It's Anna. And it's Ashley. And I am so excited about our guest today. We are going to talk about brutal honesty with my friend, uh, Peter Kozadoy. He's author of Honest to Greatness, How Today's Greatest Leaders Use Brutal Honesty to Achieve Massive Success. Oh my gosh, you guys, this book is incredible. Peter's mission is to help people use the power of brutal honesty to achieve greatness in their lives and organizations. He has spent 10 years building multi-million dollar companies, which has landed on him on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing entrepreneurs in America. Not only that, his book has been endorsed by Shark Tank's Barbara Corcoran. Peter, welcome to the show. It's awesome to be here, ladies. This is going to be fun. Yeah, oh, we're, yeah, we're excited, Peter. We're excited. Yeah, we're going to have a good combo about brutal honesty today. So before <laughs> we dive into the book, tell yes. our audience a little bit about yourself and your work. Uh, yeah, so I am the uh, ex-redheaded former figure skater um, that missed his shot at the Olympics. That's the, the, the quick version. And um, that was sort of the first time I had to get brutally honest with myself about where life was going, perhaps not to uh, Olympic figure skating dreams, but to somewhere else. Uh, started my first company out of college, not having any idea what I was doing, but being 100% sure that I knew everything. Um, that sounds like and Ashley and I. Have we had that experience before? <laughs> yeah, had that experience before. <laughs> People are like, yeah, I've been there. Um, and then, you know, uh, went immediately tens of thousands of dollars into debt. I was like 22. And uh, eventually, over many years, figured out how to uh, pivot. And, and eventually, as you said, you know, built a multi-million dollar marketing agency. And I was always extremely frustrated by what I saw in my clients, uh, which led me to write the book. They seemed to fall into two camps. Some of them would take our uh, insights and growth strategies and you know, we'd, we'd spend time with their frontline employees and customers and bring all these important information back. We're like, hey, here's, here's what they say you are and now here's what we have to do. And they would just take it and run with it. It'd get like a five, six times ROI. They'd stay with us for years, like everything's awesome. And then other clients, we would do the same thing. You know, spend time with their employees and their customers and bring back all this information and insights. Here's what they're saying and here's what we've got to do. And they would just blow up on the launch pad. Like they descended into infighting and politics and ego and BS. And I was like, what, what in the heck is going on? Like I, in every elective class I could take in undergrad, I took it at the business school. They didn't say anything about this. Right. right. <laughs> like, yeah. They didn't talk about how to uh, battle, you know, egos and all this other stuff. So yeah. I, I used to walk away thinking like, man, these people are idiots. Right. But, you know, of course, that was me being an idiot. Like no, no executive, like a hundred million dollar company is a moron. Right. Um, what I ended up deciding is that these people were dishonest, you know, on some level or another. And I don't mean outright lying uh, for you know, their own benefit, but I mean, you know, had led themselves astray in the many, many ways that we all do. And so I've, I've since become just fascinated at how honesty and dishonesty plays into our lives and, and has repercussions of us in, in our personal lives, our business lives, as parents, as whatever. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, okay. That's fascinating. It is. I'm so excited to talk more about brutal honesty. Let's talk about the book. So your new book, Honest to Greatness, was just released. It's already hit number one on Amazon in several different categories. So congrats there. Thank you. Anna and I, like, I mean, honesty, we know how important it is in our personal and our professional lives. We know this, especially as business, business owners. 
your book makes the argument that that most businesses are following archaic business practices that make them seem untrustworthy, inauthentic. So like, in what I'm curious, like in what way are businesses, both large and small, following these archaic business practices, which may or may not make them come off as not honest? Let me give you the mic drop one now. I mean, how fast are businesses able to pivot in the zombie apocalypse pandemic that we're enduring right now. Yes. How many entrepreneurs and leaders are trying to pretend that we are going to return to normal as they used to know it? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. The Correct. world has forever changed. I don't want to go back to an office ever. I haven't put on pants in months. You yes. don't want to do that now? <laughs> like, you know, the, the world has changed. So I think, you know, it, you, I'm sure we'll get more into this, but we need to be honest about a whole lot of things, you know, how the world is changing, how consumer trends are shifting, how the people around us are thinking and feeling, you know, all of these things pervade the way we conduct our businesses. And I shudder every time I see entrepreneurs trying to cling to their old business models. I shudder when they do that in good times. The middle of 2019 would have made me nervous. Now, we need to continually, we're like, you know, we, right, Ashley, you own your own business I mean, we're entrepreneurs. We need to burn our own companies down and reinvent them all day, every day, because otherwise a virus is coming for it. And if not that, something else. It's so true. I have found in working with the clients that Ashley and I work with and just, you know, my own clients, the ones that are adapting the worst are the largest ones. Totally. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they just don't, you know, they, they are just so hesitant to take that step about rethinking what they need to do to help themselves. Um, I have a, a dear friend of mine who works for, uh, uh, I won't say the name of the industry or anything, but she was for a big organization over in uh, the Southwest, and they work a lot with the restaurant industry. And during this time of COVID, they just tried to wait it out for three to four months. Just, you know, thinking that this is going to end, everybody's going to be okay in July, maybe August. And it's just now that they're trying to implement things. And it's, it's I can say five months, but it's at least three months too late. Oh, you're, yeah. you're way too late. Yep. You know, smaller, more efficient teams have already d- been doing what you're trying to start. No, the big companies, there are such big problems there. We've, so I've gotten to work with a couple of big companies in my time, some Fortune 500s. I have a Fortune 500 client now. And it is shocking the amount of just dishonest BS that goes on. Um, you know, and I contrast that in the book to stories like the Ritz-Carlton, who yeah. knows who's in charge, and it's not the executives, it's the frontline employees. Why? Yep. Because the executives are in their boardroom somewhere. They're not on the front lines of the, the Ritz-Carlton Cancun making people comfortable. They're, they have zero power to do that. They got honest about it. And guess what? Ritz-Carlton just you know, takes off, becomes one of the number one luxury resorts in the world. I mean, it, it's sort of a no, no wonder, right? And over and over again, the, the folks who are able to get honest about how, how things are changing, you know, mm-hmm. who yeah. really has the power here? What, are we going to throw up core values on our walls uh, and look at them lovingly and then not act like that at all. And right, all yeah. of the distrust that that, that that creates, it's just nonsensical. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It's so damaging. And in a world where, you know, we get to not only sit around the water cooler and talk about that, but we can go on Twitter and say, hey, the stupid company says they're uh, speedy and they take forever to get things done. WTF. Like right. we all know, you know, we all know we're talking about it. 
Yeah. So in your book, you mentioned Ritz Carlton, but you, you also interviewed leaders at Sprint, at Quicken, Domino's. Um, you gave the Ritz Carlton example, but what else did you learn from interviewing all of these, you know, big business leaders? That, that it's possible to take a big ship and to make it run like a speedboat. It is possible. You know, and Quicken is one of the best examples. You know, they, they invented Rocket Mortgage, which took the mortgage industry by storm. Number one, like it made them number one mortgage providers, right? What people don't realize is Quicken at the time, not any longer, but was a private, private company, much smaller than its, than its competitors in Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all these massive mortgage providers. Why was it that Quicken was able to figure out, hey, we kill a tree every time we get a mortgage. Maybe that's a stupid thing to do. Why can't we get it on our phone, right? Mm, um, yeah. And you may be inclined to think it's just a matter of size, but it's not. Quicken has a very strict code of conduct. It's culture code. They call them the isms. And they have rules. Like, it's not about uh, who is right. It's about what is right. And say yes before no. Can you imagine? I mean, in any big company, it's just gatekeepers galore. And yet right. Quicken, their gatekeepers look at stuff and they're like, oh, that's interesting. Is that about mortgages? We do mortgages. Yes, it is. Um, do we think that could maybe work? I have no idea. Why don't you go try it and uh, see what happens? Literally, there's like a video of one of the managers being like, hey, I don't really want to hear more. Sounds interesting. Go do it. Let me know how it goes. How empowering is that You know, versus so what we get today? So how, yeah. how do companies get there? How do companies understand and do they really know what brutal honesty is yeah why don't you define that for our audience too like define yeah. brutal honesty and then tell us how companies get there happy to well the how is easy they could just uh, go to wherever books are sold and buy honest to greatness 2695 <laughs> no, i'm just kidding um it, so let's let's first talk about what honesty is not People see that I've written a book about honesty and they're like, oh my gosh, Peter, that's so great. I'm so honest. I just tell it like it is all the time. And I'm like, well, you're probably just an asshole. You're probably not. Uh, sorry, am I, am I allowed to swear on this? I don't know. You can, yes. FCC hasn't come down on us yet. Yeah, you should have given me rules. Sorry about that. Um, this is, you know, we're talking about honesty here, right? Uh, so yeah, you're probably just a, an, a, an A word, a lowercase A word. And, um, you know, people are always surprised. But listen, you, you two are both parents, right? Right. How smart would it be for you to just like blurt out whatever you're thinking and feeling and like the, the utter truth all the time to your kids? Is that helpful? Detrimental. Yeah, not good. And so, you know, this, is, this book is not a license to just be completely candid and direct with people. Sometimes we need to. Sometimes it does call for that. But other times, honesty means different things. You know, it can mean uh, open-minded, can mean willing to admit fault can mean ready for change, transparent, you know? And the, the thing I want people to understand is that yes, it's brutal honesty, but it's strategic brutal honesty. It's weaponizing honesty, making it effective to achieve outcomes. You know, you'd noted Ashley, and, and thank you for bringing up that, that this was the number one new release on Amazon in, for instance, business ethics, right? Listen, that's wonderful. I think mm -hmm. people should be ethical and moral, but I have an MBA from Columbia. I am a capitalist. I'm about the money people. This is a book about how do we make money and achieve results in a completely transparent society or society that's moving that way. Mm -hmm. And the way to do it is through honesty. So I talk specifically about honesty in, in three distinct levels. Okay. And this is how you, you use it, right? You begin to make it into a technique. First, we need to be honest about what I call the community. You know, in other words, what's going on in society around us? Uh, how are consumer trends shifting? We live in a time of racial injustice, uh, a pandemic, gender bias, gender fluidity. These, some of these things are things we haven't even like, thought of before. Mm -hmm. And now they are a part of society. Whether we like it or not is irrelevant. 
the society's moving. We need to get honest about that, right? This is the environment in which we operate. Secondly, we need to get honest with and about the others around us. Now, sometimes we do need to get honest with people. We need to level with them. We need to tell them the truth. But other times we need to get honest about them, about how they're thinking, how they're feeling, how different their conclusions might be from our own, even if we're looking at the same things. You know, people are different, right? And unless we get honest about their self-limiting beliefs, their biases, their massive ego that we all have, then we actually can do more harm than good by being candid. And we could use some of the other techniques like feed forward to uh, help people move towards a better place. You know, we see this from, you know, thanks to your team, Ashley, I've been doing some interviews around uh, mask wearing on TV and radio. It's like some people wear masks, people don't wear a mask. No matter what your opinion on it is, we can agree on one thing, which is nobody in the history of the world has ever changed because you told them what you think sucks and you need to change now. Right. Like you can't just go assault someone. I can't believe you don't wear a mask. How dare you wear a mask? Like, what do you expect them to say? Gosh, you're right. Now that you put it that way, I'm such an idiot. Guess I'll wear a mask. Like, doesn't happen. That's not reality, right? (laughs) Right. So what would be your brutally honest suggestion to change? Yeah, great. That's the question. We need to be honest about what helps people change in the first place. You know, we have people in this country with... Uh, diseases like, you know, cardiac disease and uh, diabetes and all these things that are preventable with diet and exercise who are faced with death and they still don't even make changes in their life. So if people faced with dying find it difficult to change, we need to be a lot more honest about what it takes to change people. And one of the things we can do that I wish we would do a better job of in this culture is simply asking people, hey, will you tell me more about that opinion of yours? How did you form it? What data are you looking at? What facts are you looking at? Like, what are you watching? What are you reading? I really want to understand. I want to better understand. Because you know what? We don't know when we ourselves are actually incorrect. And because we close ourselves off to that, right? I must be right, so you must be wrong. We lose so much opportunity to come to common ground and to make people feel validated and listened to, which by the way, drops their ego, which by the way, can lead to a fruitful discussion that begins to change opinion. I am not a psychologist. This is not rocket science, but we need to be much more honest about the way we humans act and interact because what we're doing now on mass, it's not helpful. So it's about also, to me, it seems like being more inquisitive and and like really learning, like I want, help me understand. And I feel like this even goes to like conversations my husband and I have where he'll be like, (laughs) I mean, he's gone through a lot of like leadership courses where he'll be like, help me understand like this out of you. And so is it, is it like that? Like, can we have, I mean, it sounds like in the same way that it can be applied to business, it can be applied at home too. Oh gosh, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, one of the things about writing a book about honesty, I get to be honest. I mean, I should not have be, I should never have been the one to write a book about honesty. Like I was the one voted most likely to continue being a complete jerk in like high school and like my young twenties, right? If I can learn <laughs> honesty and all the things it means, anyone can. But one of the things, you know, I, I, you know I've been with my wife a very long time. She apparently is a masochist uh, or you know, I'm like her project or something. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I, I used to be a terrible person to be with. Uh, I freely admit that. And one of the things I did, and this is how I figured all this out, was I said, you know what, I'm just going to pretend like every conflict we have is my fault. I know it's not, but I'm just going to operate that way for, you know, a month. Uh, turns out everything was my fault. Yeah, shocking, but 
you know, only women, by... As women, we knew that already, so... You, no kidding. I could have just asked you, right? Why did I have to go through all that? Yeah. <laughs> Where were you when I needed you? Listen to her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, it's things like that, that we have these, we have these massive things that exist in our blind spots. And how many of us even ask ourselves what's in the blind spot? Never mind, how yeah. do I begin to probe into it and fix it? So it's scary. You know, I, I wonder though, Peter, because I think that your point about how many people even ask us that, I think success plays into that egomaniacal idea. Like if you are the head of a, of a big successful corporation, this is your thought process. Everything we've been doing has been successful. That's right. Every step I've taken, I've overseen, I've said no to has been the correct step. That's right. So therefore, I am right all the time. When in reality, in reality, you said this earlier, the CEOs of the world actually have very little to do with the success or failure of their company. It is the culture within the organization and the people who keep everything and everybody afloat. That's why Ashley and I love our assistants so much because without them, we wouldn't know what's happening in our calendars. But that's the God's honest truth, right? So to actually get to that brutally honest point with yourself, I think would be very, very difficult for those heads of people who actually make those changes. That's right. And yet, and yet, um, the CEO of Blockbuster thought he was doing a great job right up until he lost the equivalent of the GDP of Monaco. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that runs through the leaders that I, that I interview in my book, and those are the CEOs of, you know, as we said, Domino's Quicken, uh, yeah. uh, Berkshire Hathaway, right? Warren Buffett yep. himself, is they don't do much. You know, the, I redefine the role of what a leader should even do. And it's common throughout all these leaders that I profile in the book. And they literally sit at the apex. It's like a diamond, right? They sit at the bottom of that diamond. Now, what, what makes a diamond effective, right? Light passes through the top and it bounces around, comes back out, right? We understand this prism effect. And the thing you, do, you, you, you two are going to be experts in this next question. You ready? What is the one thing you do not want in your diamond? Oh, well, you just you don't want any of those like, little, little imperfections. That's right. Flaws, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't want flaws. And so when an organization does a really good job of removing all their gatekeeping BS flaws and all this distrust, it honestly is an act of omission. You know, when you get rid of all the crap, what happens is information can come from the customers and frontline employees up down through the managers and to the, the executive at the bottom, right? And that executive's job, I call it the executive mirror, is not to wield their ego and decide what they think or feel about it. It's just simply to ask like, does this make sense in what we do? Uh, and if it does, yeah, go do it and let me know how it goes, right? And to reflect that light back out so it doesn't get trapped and stuck. And so the problem is, and if you two have any experience in big companies, you know this, I've seen it so many times, people in management or leadership positions are so busy trying to justify their job that they get involved in busy work and justification of what they do. Instead of just sitting in an office and waiting for great ideas, they oh, yeah, that sounds good. Go do that. Let me know how I can help. It's a different model, much more coach, 
And, you know, it's really a coaching model, not a command and control model, which we know doesn't work. Study after study has proven nobody wants to be micromanaged. And by the way, who doesn't want to go work at the company where when they have a great idea, they say, yeah, man, cool. Yeah, go do that. Right. How empowering is that? Right, right, right. I love it. I mean, that's like kind of why I started my own business because I wanted to just go and start my own ideas. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I mean, who doesn't? Um, okay, I'm curious for you, Peter. What are some companies that you have seen in this COVID zombie apocalypse that have that like that are using brutal honesty that are like kind of acknowledging that or like do you know of any or maybe there's some that are like not acknowledging but i'm just curious yeah. if there's any top of your mind that are doing a good job or not um, I mean, when it I, comes to yeah i was so proud of um i think it was all state you know when they somebody high up sat around and was like you know uh none of our customers are driving and if they're not driving they can't get into accidents if they don't get into accidents it's not going to cost us much so why don't we just give them their money back the refund, absolutely. That was brilliant, right? So good, really so good. Awesome. It probably, I wouldn't be surprised if that refund cost them nothing because their losses would have been down. Too. Yeah. So, yeah. So it just, that's, that's it. Like what a nice thing to do, a great business. Who doesn't want to support that, right? right, right. Um, and meanwhile, you know, I was, I was chuckling to myself over like March and April watching these car commercials roll in. It's like, we understand you're hurting, so... Uh, we're going to forgive three months. Come in, buy a car. Who needs to buy a car in the middle of a zombie apocalypse? Like, what are we talking about here? You know? <laughs> like, I was waiting. Yeah. I was waiting for the commercial that said, like, we've donated every single minivan we can pull within a 200-mile radius to make sure that nurses and frontline healthcare workers can get into their cities and hospitals. Where was that? You that know? would have been amazing. Yeah. But did you not think of that? No. Um, the one commercial I saw when, where, that made me kind of be like, whoa, was Uber. Um, and it, it was like this nice Uber commercial. Then it said, thank yeah. you for not riding with us. And I was like, no. damn, Mike drop good job, Uber. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. don't yeah. use us right now. Like, what a good message to send out to the world. Like, we don't want your business. Yeah. Right, right, right. It was, and I thought that it was good. Um, corporate community for those, those different types of companies to go out there and say, it's okay to stay home. Americans want to believe that their companies are invested in us as the people. Yeah, they, they do. They probably aren't, but it would be nice for them to let us think that. Well, the smart ones are. The smart yeah. ones are. You know, in fact, I, I profile one of my chapters, Just Capital, which is an organization that uh, ranks companies based on how just they are, you know, how honest, how transparent, how much they take care of the things that Americans care about, workers' right. rights, environmental, whatever. And uh, what they show, fascinating, is that the more they care in terms of time, energy, man hours, dollars, actually the higher return on equity they achieve. It doesn't cost them to be better for, for all stakeholders. It's a net gain. That, that is a message I think a lot more companies need to realize. And, you know, you two are moms, right? How many times do you go to buy something for your kids and think about, like, what am I really supporting here? Like, are right. the materials good? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot. That's really interesting you say that. Okay. I have another question. Um, in business, as business owners, we make mistakes. Like, I, I make a lot of mistakes. I learn. I grow from them. Um, We've actually had a podcast on our mistakes. Yeah, we oh, I, I should do that, but I would need like a good 8,000 hours to cover all I mine. So. 
So I'm wondering, like, how do we recover? How do we use brutal honesty to recover from those business mistakes that we make, be it a small or large business? Yeah, this is, gosh, this is so simple. And there are so many companies that have figured this out and so many who haven't. If I do something like, so, you know, I work with Ashley's team, right? So Ashley, if your team does something that I don't like, they're going to call me. They're going to say, Peter, uh, we messed up. I'm really sorry. This is what happened. Um, we we want to fix this for you. We want to make it right. Here's what we're going to do to make it right. Here's what we did to make sure it doesn't happen again. And then because I'm you know, a decently nice person, just don't tell everyone I have a reputation to protect. I'm going to say, uh, yeah, no, thank you. you know, I appreciate you being honest. Sucks, but you know, we'll move forward. Fine. Now, yeah. companies don't do that, right? They love to sweep things under the rug. Tell Absolutely. me, yeah. you know, after the diesel emissions scandal at Volkswagen, right, where they're falsifying oh, all yeah. these reports, what oh, happened? Yeah. Can anybody tell me what happened? They just went silent, right? I don't know if they're going to fix it, make it better. No idea. Now you look at what Domino's Pizza did now 12 years ago, figured out that their pizza sucks. They went on national TV and said, sorry, everyone, our pizza sucks and Mm -hmm. you deserve better. We're going to fix it. By the way, we're bringing cameras into our kitchen so you can look at what we're doing. We're bringing cameras out to customers so you can watch them taste the pizza and tell us whether it's good or not. If you had recognized that and bought Domino's Pizza stock, you would have had a 3,000% return over the next 10 years as that organization just continued to get honest with itself. And by the way, they produced that level of return by telling the world that their product was terrible. Hello? Honesty works. That's it. Simple. And during this whole beginning of this whole COVID thing, they were one of the first customer companies, commercials that I saw out there that said, look, during this really hard time, if you need help, we need drivers. Come in, we will pay you to drive for us, which, you know, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that you can make a, you, you can make a career out of driving pizza, but they were offering the help when a lot of people were cutting back. Totally. And the, the great thing is, right. Honesty is cultural. Once you, bi- once you decide honesty is important, right? Become aware of it, decide it's important, build a team around it. It's actually very difficult to become dishonest. So these companies that do well just simply continue doing well because what, if we're not going to look at the truth, what else is there? And, right. and conversely, companies who are dedicated to finding out what's true, they're not going to miss things, right? They're going to come out and apologize when they make mistakes. Mistakes happen. It will happen. They're going to be the first yeah. ones to recognize, oh, we're in a pandemic. We better do something a little different. It, right. it builds on itself. It, it's, it's exponential in its results. Yes. Yes. Wow. Fascinating. Oh, so good, Peter. Okay. Where can our listeners find more information about you and your book? Sure. So uh, by all means, go buy Honest to Greatness wherever books are sold. It's a movement. You know, I can't do this alone. I stick my neck out for a topic that a lot of people are going to be cynical about and tell me I'm wrong. So I, you know, I need fine folks like yourself to to give this book, you know, give it to the leaders in your life. Um, and I've already had some amazing people tell me like, Peter, I bought 25 copies. I'm giving one to every, every manager in the organization. I'm like, thank you. That's what we need because transformation is available. Um, we just have to be honest about what it takes. And uh, if you head over to honesttogreatness.com, there's a free 21 question honesty quiz, which will tell you your honesty leadership type if you are brave enough to know how honest you are. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let me know how that goes, Anna. And uh, and yeah, and that's it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm worst millennial ever, but I am on all the social media channels begrudgingly. So you can follow along there as well. I can't wait. I am going to go take that quiz. 
Only because I know I'm a very good liar, so I want to. <laughs> but you're honest about it. I'm That's honest what counts. About being a liar, see? Yes, I feel like you always have been about that, and it's fun. How, how honest? <laughs> I, yeah, how, how honest I am. I'm a liar. I'm telling you, right? I was, I was an executive in TV way too long to not lie. Not I don't lie. have a problem with that. Listen, I so I've gotten into this with, with people. They're like, oh, so and so doesn't have integrity. They lie all the time. I'm like, well, do they tell you that they're a liar? Yes. Have they changed? No. Well, a person has a lot of integrity in my eyes then. I mean, what more do you want? You know? Right. They told you they're a liar. Yeah. They, right. they made no bones about it. Like, that's who they were. You knew who they were. You chose that person. Now they're acting exactly as you thought. Maybe there are some parallels right. here you're all thinking of. Right. But, so, yeah. you know, you can't be shocked. That's what it is. So. so good. Oh, Peter, thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. Everyone who's listening, go and check out Buy Peter's book, Honest to Greatness. You will not regret it. Peter, thank I, you I so can't. I, I just met you, Peter, and I am so thankful for having this conversation. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. And uh, as always, thanks for being honest. And thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. <laughs>